Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 168 of the Applog Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Hey, I'd like to thank everybody for clicking through on Amazon and, and supporting the show that way. If you'd like to do that, you can go to applog.ca slash Amazon or applog.ca slash US Amazon. You can, those are redirects. And you go to Amazon, you take you straight to Amazon, you'll be able to shop and support the show and cost you extra money. If you want to support the show on a monthly basis, go to patreon.com slash Applog. You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis. It helps my hosting and gas fees. You can also cancel at any time. I'm actually using all my Patreon money to be able to fly to a different country and interview somebody. So so become a patron and support that cause. Thanks. If you want to go to appleout.ca uh, slash shop and buy a t-shirt and buy some music, that would be very helpful. If you're on iTunes, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and view the show on iTunes. Give it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash pod and follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. That's the fastest one yet. Today on the show, I have a mark from a band called Grebert, and it's a two-piece. It's a power duo. It's bass and drums. And it's really, really heavy. And it's really, really good. Grubert's got a new record out, and it's called Cemetery Preston. And it's out on February 2nd. You can check out their new video uh, called Grave Plot on YouTube. And they have some Eastern Canadian tours happening. Check them out. They are going to be awesome. But here he is right now in conversation. Mark from the band Grubert on the Apple Podcast. I really enjoyed your uh, your your songs because there's two things it reminds me of. It reminds me of No Means No, and it reminds me of Slayer. I don't know why the Slayer part comes in there. It just does. It's just intense. Oh, thanks a lot, man. That's a, Those are two amazing bands, and to be compared to them, uh, I feel undeserving of, but I will take the compliment. That's super nice. Thanks, man. Yeah, the bass tone in particular, I mean, that's just... It's exactly like I mean it's 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 you ever heard that you've obviously heard of no means no so you've heard wrong then obviously yeah yeah for sure big influence um you know what I I checked it out years after it came out only because this is kind of like a weird story but we were like uh, I was on tour with fuck the facts at the time and uh, we pulled into a gas station and this like very clean cut like has his shit together gentleman was pumping gas as well and he was like oh hey are you guys in a band i think this was in like washington state or somewhere he's like oh hey are you guys in a band i was like yes we are like hey how's it going like let's high five like sounds good and he was like actually i make merch for no means no do you want a shirt and i was like what he's like yeah i'm there i make all their merch i was like okay and he gave me the shirt and it was like it had like the goat on it and it said wrong and i was like oh this is like it was too large it was like a large and i don't wear i wear a medium but and i was like man i i have to check this this out now because i listened to no means no but i didn't know there was an album called wrong mm-hmm. until he gave me the shirt and i was like thank you very much sir i will uh this is some good cross promotion you ju- you've just done <laughs> that's one of their best albums one of my favorite albums um 
They were a three piece at that point, but they started off as a two piece too. You know what? I'm not. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah, they started off as two brothers, and uh, they put out like three or four albums before I think they got a guitar player, and then they uh, they, they they expanded into the Hanson Brothers, which mm-hmm. they um, well, how did that work out? They they had the drum. They got a drummer to play in the Hanson Brothers, and they did a tour once where they went across Canada as No Means No with two drummers. And um, it was it was super awesome to see because they would do these double kick progressions and they would share kick drums. So it was like just so good, so well played. And then their inter- intermission, they'd come out and do Hanson Brothers, or sorry, uh, their their uh, encores would be um, Hanson Brothers songs. Oh man, that's awesome! And then they toured all the way back across Canada as the Hanson Brothers. And uh, I thought it was such a great idea. John Wright, John Wright was on the show like I think almost two years ago now, and. Uh, he was like somewhere way up north, BC, like where the internet's really bad. And uh, he yep. called. I think he called on the phone. <laughs> oh, to, to he like called into the podcast and you had to like patch it in through like yeah. Google calls. I used my phone. I know I used my actual phone. I I had to plug it into the system because he he didn't have internet. <laughs> oh man, actually, you know what? Not to be like Captain Stories over here, but that actually reminds me. I don't know which member of No Means No. I spoke to on the phone but we were playing uh another band i used to be in called tugna we were playing a show in nanaimo and this woman approached us after the show and was like hey that was really good that reminded me of no means no my my boyfriend is in no no means no and i was like that's super cool like i really like that band she's like do you want to talk to him right now i was like well okay uh, uh oh yeah yeah uh sh- sh- sure like is he around She's like, no, I'm gonna call him right now. Whoa! I was like, oh, okay. And and she just stood right in front of me and like called him on her cell phone and was like, okay, yeah, I just saw this really great band. Yeah, his name is Mark. Here you go. And she hands me the phone. I'm like, hello. And he, I, you know, I don't remember his name. He's like, hey, how's it going? It's so and so. I was like, hey, how's it going? This is weird. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you're, so you're no means no, eh? He's like, yep. Oh, uh, uh, right. Or, you know what? Right on. I like your band. Uh, I'm going to put your girlfriend back on now. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I have spoken with one of the members as well on the phone. It was so you're like best friends then? <laughs> Pretty much like best friends. Huh? Yeah, I, I, I named dropped No Means No for the next like eight years after that. I was like, yeah, me and No Means No, you know, yeah. buds. You know. Yeah. But they're like, what does that mean? Because not a lot of people really like the normal people haven't really ever, never heard of No Means No. Normal people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like a normal music listener would be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. There was a whole sound in Victoria that sounded like that. I don't know if you knew about that, but like in the early 90s, there'd be, every band that seemed to come out of Victoria sounded like No Means No. No, I did. I wasn't aware. Were there any other or any other good ones that you would? I can't. I, names don't. No, there's one that had a girl bass player singer, and they sounded more like No Means No than the rest of them. And I can't remember now what they what they were called, but it had that sound, you know, like because I think they recorded out that way too, and that sort of came their sound is distinctive to what they did, you know, with the drum sounds particularly. But um, enough of that hot No Means No talk. Um, you know what? Actually, I one more thing to add on No Means No. I feel like the name No Means No was ahead of its time. And it totally, like, because now you'll say, like, No Means No, and it's, like, a very relevant thing in our culture, you know? Like, uh, yeah. 
it's like it's like no means no is like they were like they're like the flag bearers for you know consent culture yeah good on you no means no you guys are a you guys are a good band and and you've got a good message yeah even i'm not even sure if that's what it meant originally i think that was the original meaning i think in the 80s and stuff when like when they were sort of breaking out and uh but no what a great band that is um that's the no means no part everybody let's uh let's move on to grebert let's see let's see how long we can talk about no means no (laughs) yeah yeah. let's let's see if we can go like it's been three hours eight minutes of no means no hot oh no means no talk and uh I like I said I've I've hooked up with your publicist now his name's John and he keeps sending me fucking awesome bands and I can't I can't pick them all I can't do them all otherwise it would be the Montreal or slash Quebec scene of bands because he sends me all the bands and where where are you actually located? Uh, we Steve and I live in a city called Cambridge, Ontario, which is about an hour uh, west of Toronto. So you're not from Montreal. Okay. No, we're we're not from Montreal. <laughs> it seems like every band he he do, he works from is is from Montreal. I guess he's from there, so you know he's that's his thing. You know that's his deal. I know where Cambridge is. It's a good town. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So okay, so 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 you were obviously you've been in bands and you've traveled around and it sounds like you're pretty versed in the touring um, trade. Um. So is this an this is, how many albums have has uh, Grebert done so far? Um, full length albums. This will be our third. Okay. And when did so so what was the um? Where do you record? Um. Up until this last record, I would just record everything, like all the all the drums and bass and vocals and weird noises and whatnot, but. For this one, we recorded uh, the drums at a really sweet studio in Hamilton called Boxcar Studios uh, with a guy named Sean Pearson, who uh, he's recorded like a ton of wicked bands over the years. Like, I know he recorded Curse and he did like all the shallow North Dakota stuff, and he's just like the sweetest, most professional dude. And he recorded the drums for uh, for Cemetery Preston, and I just recorded all the rest. So you obviously you must have a studio then you're a you're a studio fella. Uh, a little bit like I've 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 got the most bare bones rig, man. Like it's I've got like an eight channel interface, and I just set it up at the jam hall and take probably far too long to like get sounds and get it to sound good, just to try and you know make up for the fact that I don't really have the most amazing gear. But uh, I I feel like the atmosphere of letting me do it like in a relaxing way at least for the for the bass recording it's uh i think it's well worth it i like and i like doing that i like i i do some mixing on the side and i really like the art of of engineering audio and and really trying to like bring something to life in that way yeah i mean when i listen to the songs there's such a sense of urgency too I and mean, when i hear it it's like if it gets you sort of sitting on the edge it gets me sitting on the edge of my chair when i'm hearing it, it's like okay, I know where this is coming from and it, it comes from a very pure like place. And, you know, the sounds to me, it's like, yeah, especially, I mean, the bass and the drums, it's, you know, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, like, you guys have done an amazing job and as a, you're, a, you're a power to, a duo, right? Yeah, yeah, just bass and drums for us, man. Makes great for a great touring because nobody can team up on each other. 
<laughs> wow, man! I, you know what? I never thought of that. That's a that's a really good point. You, know, you always have a tiebreaker. There's like you got to bring somebody to break the tie. You know. Well, and also too, we like Steve and Grabert. We were in a band earlier. That band I was saying, Tugnut, and there was a third guy in that band. It was guitar, bass, and drums. And the dynamic was always like it was always two on one, but mm-hmm. the two would always switch. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it was always like these two guys versus the other guy, and then the other guy would get out of the doghouse and it'd be like these two guys versus the other guy. It was never it was never just a, a full on like everyone hates everyone. It yeah. was always like some sort of um treaty that was that was made, some unspoken treaty. And so yeah, that's that's really that's a really good observation, man. I, I completely agree. We we just hate each other and uh that that's it. Yeah, it's easy to do that though, because then you've got a partnership. If you're dealing like in a band where you have three people I played in a three piece band too, and it was um it was towards the end was it was hellish it was not fun because it got to that point where you're just saying everybody hated each other and we do like these four month three month tours we would play like 15 shows you know it's like (laughs) (laughs) you know like broke and poor and starving and sick and yeah and we did we did one of those too one of those three month 15 show tours and yeah that's uh That'll fucking test you, man. That's how not to tour ever at all. <laughs> the definitive guide. Just don't do that. Yeah, book shows because yeah. we'd leave. We because we played out of Winnipeg and that's where the band was out of. And I moved out there to be in the band. And we'd leave and I go, "How many shows we got?" And it, and I'd hear like, "Oh, we got a bunch." I'm like, "Great. Um, where where's the first show? Uh, Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Okay, great." And then we get there and they go, "How many more shows?" Ah, uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And you're like, "What? Okay, now." <laughs> Where are we going? Yeah. Uh, we're going west. Okay, great. So then we'd like go and like bang on doors at clubs saying, hey, can we play tonight? And they'd say no. And then we'd go find a house and play at a house somewhere. It was, it was fun. It was fun in the, like now it's romantic fun, but it really did suck. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And, and we did the same thing. We'd have like three days off and be like, all right, let's go on MySpace at the time and be like, let's see if there's some shows we can hop on and. Yeah, it never really worked out. <laughs> and getting into the states was always like a big challenge. Like, were you doing it pre nine eleven or post nine eleven? Um, we were doing it post nine eleven, but we would always uh, go through the the, the proper immigration channels. and yeah. yeah, we would always get like work visas and uh, and do it semi legit. <laughs> Not us. Oh, you guys were doing the old sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was bad, too. But it was some of it was like it was like 1993. So it wasn't like it wasn't like the terrorists were coming or nor they had any fear of terrorism. They were just afraid of Canadians coming and I don't know, somehow like, I don't know, Russianizing everybody. But uh, <laughs> there was, no, <laughs> it was just a general hate because we had like we were all a bunch of socialist pigs or something. I don't know how it worked out, but. Well, yeah. you probably didn't even need a passport. You probably just had your driver's license. I had a passport, but I remember going to the States and not needing a passport. And there was a situation where you'd say, um, you go to the recording, you call some recording studio and say, hey, man, uh, we're coming down. Can you write a fake letter to say we're we're going to be playing in your recording studio for a week and we'll be paying you money? And half the people would say no. But what we ended up getting across under... Um, um, 
under a label. I'm not going to say the label because I don't think it'd be fair because they, they, they got us in a few times where you just sort of like, they'd say, they're coming in a demo. And then you'd get in the van and drive across with this fake piece of paper. And you have to, we had contracts for maybe one or two shows. We'd have to like burn them and remember where the places were or write them down somewhere. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So sketchy. No so, doubt. Look at me. I'm a man now. I got a recording studio. I'm a man. Nah, nah, you're really. still that you're you're still that 13 show in three month kid at heart, man. I try, I try. I mean, never lose that. No, I know. It's it's funny that I mean, it's kind of what the show's about. It's like a lot of people get older in life and they 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 change, you know. And I've changed. I know I have. I have kids. I have a mortgage, you know. And I'm sure we all have our expenses and our jobs, and people have to get their shit together after a certain time amount of time, but. It all does come back to music. I mean, is that is that sort of your must be your passion? I would imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely my my passion in this uh, you know, in this horrible existence is just to is just to play music and to write music and uh, it's it's something um, I uh, it's it's sometimes uh a detriment I feel to, to my life mm -hmm. because sometimes I get a lot, you know, most of the time I'm like really ob obsessive about music and I focus on it all the time. And it's like, it's all I want to do all the time. And I'm trying to like force myself to, you know, get an apprenticeship and do work and like ha not work some burger flipping job for until I'm 50 years old. And I realize I've just like, literally like fuck myself royally but mm -hmm. it's it's hard man it's definitely a passion but there are some days where i'm like i wish i fucking never i wish i just didn't even care yeah. at, about music at all because it's it envelops me a bit too much i feel well being a musician myself i i totally know where you're coming from because you can become the most selfish prick on the face of the planet and partners don't enjoy that you know, girlfriends, yep. wives, kids, you know, if you have, or if you either or, but to become a musician, it's so personal. And as soon as someone sort of like, sort of says about your craft, like, oh, maybe you should go look for a real job. All of a sudden they're the enemy. And I, I've learned to deal with those demons a lot. Like now it's like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I don't need to be in a shitty club somewhere. I don't need that. <laughs> no i i hear you man and i'm like uh i'm i feel like i'm slowly getting getting more climatized to that mode of thinking over time but uh and it's not even it's not even touring it's just like writing and and it, I, it's just something about writing music i find i'm doing it every single day and like sometimes i have to like set a timer and be like okay only an hour today yeah. because you're just gonna fucking do it for four hours and then at the end of it, you're going to have not eaten since lunchtime. And you're just going to be some frail Howard Hughes looking dude with fucking Kleenex boxes on your feet. So, you know, yeah. buck up, eat some Harvest Crunch and fucking just get your life together. It's uh, you're right. It's so easy to get stuck in a rabbit hole when you're especially when you're sitting in front of gear and you, yeah. you want to create. And there's we're in this nice little world now where our our computers aren't just for porn anymore. You can actually like, you know, make music with it. You can, you know, 
You can do all sorts of it. You can see the world. You can learn stuff. But when you sit behind that computer or screen or whatever you're doing, it used to be elite. You know, you used to go to the studio and used to like, you know, work on something and get in the weeds or any other catchphrase. And then, yeah. and, and now it's like the weeds are so deep because the choice is so vast, you know, to where you want to go with musically. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Like, uh, and, and that in itself is a, is a blessing and a curse. I find like, there's nothing, I think John Cleese said it best. Like, I guess he said he doesn't know where they get their ideas, but they sure as hell, like don't get them from their laptops or something, you know, it's like, bringing something tangible from reality and then like and then kind of like molding some sort of music around that not just like sitting at your computer and and just you know masturbating with some you know synth plug-in for eight hours until you've got some the right fart sounding bass tone you know what i mean like i do yeah it's uh, it's hard so how do you guys write do you write in the room or do you write individually and come to stuff like Usually, uh, at least for this for this last record, um, I would like you know bring a like a skeletal sort of song to uh, or like I would send it to Steve and it would have like a, a click and even sometimes it would have like some programmed drums, uh, and then I would just like you know let him go wild and like he would you know drop the programmed drums out and and just use the click and like you know write something that I would never have come up with like drum wise around it. And then we'll, you know, go to the, the jam space and just play it over and over and over again and hash it out. And that's really where I feel the, the song like becomes uh, a piece of music and not just some, like you said, some like uh, some laptop regurgitation, but uh, yeah, once, once it's in the room and once we can like play it and kind of like see how it, moves us that's when it usually gets tweaked in its best best way that's an interesting concept i mean it's a concept that's it's it's a neat concept because you've utilized you know you work it out because a lot of people jam they just jam and then they jam and they come up with something and then they have like a four minute thing that has 20 different parts and then nobody wants to filter it because it's you know it's been made in this on that sort of like um in that room in that time so trying to edit something like that is probably difficult I've never been a jammer. I've always sort of put put it together and then sort of go to the people and say, what do you think of this? And then they put their own thing on it. But I've never gotten to a room as of late to actually work through a song. And that's the part that I think is missing with, you know, today's uh, musician where they don't get to sit in a room and look at each other and go, what do you think of this? And then they go, I like that. But you guys actually go in with kind of with a plan. So that's, that's, that's pretty utilizing your time in a good way. We We try as best as we can, like, and, you know, that's not to say that, you know, everyone needs to do that. Like if, if you know, I kind of envy, you know, songwriters who can just have an idea on their own and like make it on their laptop and then it comes out. The demo is like this brilliantly produced piece of music and it's done and it's a, a wicked song. Like, I guess I just don't have that that gift. I have to like hear it being played on real drums and real bass at like an obscenely loud volume and <laughs> and as of late like even when i'm i'm like kind of forming riffs and ideas um like i'll go down to the jam hall and i'll i'll just riff out on my own for like an hour or two hours and then and then bring that back and like kind of edit it at that point and and see like 
because I know because I already know that it it works in that setting, so I can be like, all right, well, I know this will like not sound like total mush when we go to play it live, and and I can kind of start from there. Yeah, that's such a tricky proposition with loud music is trying to make it have a place, and you believe it or not, you guys are a two piece, but even that is trying hard to find where notes fit with each other, and it's a you know, good songs click, you know, they have that, oh, that song just clicked. It's like, well, it clicked for a reason and nobody can really explain why. And I mean, that's the essence of a good song, whether it be metal or pop or anything, it just clicks and people get it, you know? And yeah, let's hear a song. I want to hear a song. So did you ever play any other instruments besides bass? Like, was that always your instrument? Um, I started playing, I started playing piano and I had to take lessons for maybe like six or seven years or something when I was growing up. Did you do conservatory? 
Yeah, yeah. Did oh, the yeah. Royal Conservatory. How far did you go? Grade, I think I got my like grade two. Oh, really? I didn't try very hard. <laughs> Six years and two grades? Slacker. Hey, come on. No, there's there's like <laughs> dude, there's like three before that. Oh yeah. I started when I was like fucking six or something you know yeah 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 yeah. yeah. i know i know i said six years and you're i said grade two and immediately i'm like what a fucking loser like that's all you did buddy good job i got to but then i yet yeah. i got Sorry, the grade go eight i got the grade eight so jesus yeah i was gonna go that's to the, crazy to music school for it and everything and i i yeah no i i discovered weed and chicks and that chicks don't <laughs> chicks don't dig classical piano at all can you still play piano? Yeah, a little bit. I know like two two songs, two pieces. And I play piano all the time because of my work. We have a Steinway. So I get to play it like almost every day. So Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, Grade eight, like that's like shred level. <laughs> yeah, the left it hand's is. doing way more stuff at that time at that point. Yeah. Yeah, you're not just doing these like you you can play like Schopenhauer and stuff. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I think piano is a good starting point for all instruments, you know, based because everything's right in front of you. And, you know, when I took up bass, um, I, I played bass early on in my rock career in a, in a band, but I love the bass so much. Like, I, I just really appreciate it. And I don't like overplaying. I don't like wankers. Like, I don't like the slap guys. I don't like... You don't people. like Victor, Victor Wooten? Eh, he's okay. I mean, he gets a pass. He gets a pass because he okay, was on okay. TED Talks. He gets he was on TED Talks. That's why. Um, okay. <laughs> there's no other reason, but I, I just enjoy, you know, the dudes that like the clinicians type people, like I like people that feel the music a little bit better, a little bit more and, and can appreciate the playing and know where, you know, know how to play around a song. And that's, you know, it's easy to do with two people. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, man? I, I share your opinion on that. I hate that fucking clinic core stuff when it's like, wow, like. Yeah, and I love Victor Wooten, and I respect him. I think he's—I've never met him, but he seems like the most chill motherfucker in the world. But yeah. like, that guy could literally not write a good fucking riff to save his fucking whole family's life. Like, <laughs> me and my bass guitar—that song is dog shit. <laughs> that whole fucking <laughs> album is just like, yeah, yeah, okay, like, dude, just play the Flectone stuff, man. Bella Fleck, yeah, he's got it going on. He's yeah. got a weird ass banjo. Okay, Future Man's there. He's kind of a fucking piece of shit, playing yeah. some weird ass shit. But like, keep just playing that. Don't, don't, don't play that fucking mean my bass guitar song ever again. <laughs> I love you, but don't do it. Did you ever? I always, I got really into like early, well, into like the late seventies Frank Zappa. And that had some of like the craziest weird stuff in it, like especially with drums and whatnot. But also the lyrics were like dirty and funny. So that sort of an entry gateway into like for like a young, you know, a ten year old kid to get into like weird music was Frank Zappa. You were listening to Frank Zappa when you're ten years yeah, old. Yeah, I had two older brothers. So we listened. Oh, but dude. it was Joe's Garage and Shiki Booty. So it was like the two, you know, like um commercial Frank Zappa albums. Man, that's great. I, I honestly never really got into Frank Zappa other than his interviews, which I think are great. Oh, I, he's, no, yes. Yeah, he, have you ever heard of his his son Dweezil? Like his his speak. He he kind of plays some wanky kind of stuff too. Like he's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't really uh, I haven't really got into that Zappa play Zappa Dweezil Zappa stuff. Yeah, I, I I respect it, but I don't know. They're two completely different people because Frank Zappa would write a whole song on an airplane. And then take it to the studio and 
give it to people and say, play that. And I don't think Dweezil ever learned a note, like how to actually like read music. But, oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to an interview with him with, who was it? I can't remember what podcast it was, but it was, he was telling stories. I think it was with Mike, Mark Marin, actually, what the fuck podcast. He was just telling stories about his dad and uh, like all the shit he's going through with their estate is like suing him over, you know, the name. Which is ridiculous. Which is his own name. It's his name, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So when you guys, so we were talking a little bit earlier about the sort of like not putting music sort of in your heart as much as 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 you maybe would when you're like younger. But do you think like everybody has that little fire in them always, and they you know, and a lot of people take it and put it into other um, hobbies or whatever. Did you ever, like, have you got to that part yet where you're taking up, like, other hobbies yet? Um, I'm, I'm trying, man. I really am, like, uh, there was a little while I was doing, like, uh, Muay Thai kickboxing, maybe for, like, half a year, and I was like, oh, this is great, and then eventually I was just like, I'm never gonna kickbox somebody, like, I'd rather just spend this, these three hours a week I have sitting down and putting on a record and literally like picking apart my favorite parts of it in some hope that it'll fucking help me be a better songwriter, you know, like, so I I was just like, all right, well, fuck that. Like, I'll just, I'll just keep doing what I've been doing. And I don't know. I always feel like, you know, you're, I'm probably never even going to be like a decent songwriter, but to think that I can do two things, like, man, that's, like, way out of my fucking league. <laughs> I will never be... I, I hope to be, like, kind of good at one thing. Well, not two things. Yeah, well, kickboxing might help with your rock performance. <laughs> <laughs> rock, I never thought of that. Yeah, like... You mean, like, kick someone in the head? <laughs> no, like, like fucking David Lee Roth scissor kicks and stuff. Like, like look at me go! And you're still riffing away. And you can do these kids, crazy. Kids don't like that anymore. Yeah, man. no, they you can put, you, look- you can make a part of your stage show. Where you put a piece of wood up, like your somebody comes out of the crowd and you fucking kick it with your feet while you're playing. That's hard. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Just breaking boards with my face the whole <laughs> yeah. set. I was telling yeah. my kids today they weren't impressed. I said I broke twelve stir sticks today, like a kung fu move. I fucking chop through it, and they're like whoop de doo. I'm like, well, okay, well maybe it was that. I thought it was cool. <laughs> My wife takes wait, karate wait, wait, and wait. I've been watching her move and I think I got my got some moves now, man. You got moves, man. Yeah, I got some moves. Don't, don't let your kids uh discourage you from following your stir strict breaking <laughs> Bruce Lee dreams, man. Do you uh, do you ever have the aspirations to have little people, little versions of yourself? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like yeah. man, I I love kids. Kids are hilarious, like. But then again, I don't have to like totally deal with them. I just show up and I'm like Hey, what's up, kids? Like, let's hang out and, you know, talk to them, little people. Like, oh, so curious. And it's like, all right, you're crying. Like, I'm out of here. You know, this this has been fun. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I think I hear uh, my freedom calling me. I got to get out of here. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, when you, if you do have kids and you ever think about it, it does really kind of change who you are. It does put music in the backseat of it. So, you know, maybe you got that going for you, if you, you know, when you want to settle down. Yeah, and and you know what I think about I I think about that too, where I'm like, you know what? Sometimes I was like, man, I I would just really it would be really great to have a kid, 
because I would have such a good reason to just not fucking do music. Yeah. And yeah. Just focus on my kid. And that would be such a, a, a good reason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To, to not fucking obsess over writing music. That, that's like, seems like I can't think of, I can't think of a better reason mm-hmm. to, to do that. Do you ever, do you ever get stuck writing and, or do you, like, how do you, do you ever get blocked writing? Uh, yeah, yeah, all the time. Like, you know, if, if I'm not feeling it that day, I'm just like, meh, well, fucking come back to it some other time. And usually I'll, I'll try and like, you know, do at least something constructive, like, you know, learn someone else's song that I think is like fucking awesome. Or, uh, even I do this like mad nerdy shit where I will, <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, but, uh, I'll like, like I'll learn a song and then i'll like uh go through and like break down the arrangement and like mm-hmm. how many bars it was and how many beats it was and like you know um what was the transition like and how was it like i'll literally just like dissect it from like an, an arrangement standpoint and it sounds really sad but it's fucking so much fun no and that's like no i that's think like that's playing call it du- call of duty for me yeah it's like a great way to sort of understand i had a friend who wrote songs based on the Yankee Foxtrot, the Wilco album. Um, yep. Same BPMs for every song. He wrote songs in the same BPM with the same like ideas um, and wrote a whole record based on Yankee, Yankee Foxtrot Hotel. I don't even think it even came out. but uh, Dude, that's awesome. I know. I thought that was such a neat idea. I, I did this thing, uh, speaking of nerdy shit, I did a thing with a friend of mine, Mikey, we were on a sort of a video chat um, in the days of Skype, and I said, uh, he's wearing a Huey Lewis and a news shirt. I go, dude, that was the first concert I ever saw when I was a kid. He goes, cool. I go, that sports album. We should cover that album. And he goes, uh, oh, okay, sure. So then a week later, he texts me going, I've been learning all the drums for sports, so when, when can we record that? So we ended up recording Huey Lewis and the News' sports album from top oh. to tail. I want a new drug. Bad is bad, like all the songs off that album, exactly how it would sound if we recorded it back then. So we didn't change any of it. <laughs> Holy shit. So we complete, I had a friend of mine, Steve, um, play all the solos. Like he played, because he played the solo for I Want a New Drug, which is the, he goes, I call him on the phone. He goes, You know, it's so weird. I always want to learn that solo because it's all a solo. The whole song's a solo. So he learned to, and uh, Mr. D from the Salads, he sang on a few songs. Um, oh, that's wicked. Never came out, never saw the light of day. And it's still sitting on a hard drive somewhere. But well, I, you could never I, release it because you'd get fucking sued. So <laughs> I think it'd be awesome, though, because like, our big idea was to fuck with people. We play like the bovine, and we were going to be called the fucks or something like, like obnoxious. <laughs> and then like, it'd be like, dum dum. Doom, doom. It's the start of hotter, hotter rock and roll. Doom, 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 doom. And then the song breaks out and people are like laughing. Oh, this is hilarious. And then the second song, which is Heart and Soul, it p- pops in immediately. You know, And people are like, wait a minute, they're doing this album. And that would be our way of messing with the hipsters in, in Toronto. Oh, dude, that would be so good. But you know what? People would catch on. <laughs> and if it was good, they would like, people would p- fucking flock to see that. <laughs> yeah, it's such a horrible I mean the record album the album itself now it's so dated you know but when you're 14 man that album comes out it's pretty badass man 
I don't know, man. I fucking love Huey Lewis. If you think about it, we actually went, we went and saw him at, at the Casino Rama. Huey Lewis. It was me, Mr. D, and Mike from. Um, he used to play in a band called the Inner City Surfers. We went up and saw Huey Lewis in the news, and there was more Huey than the news. If you know what I'm saying, it wasn't the full news. It was like maybe oh, some jobbers okay. were in there. <laughs> some jobbers. Half half news, maybe the yeah. daily, maybe the update. Huey Lewis in the updates. If there, was, if there was singular for news, it would be like that. <laughs> yeah, the update, the hourly update from CP24. <laughs> no, but uh, no. Let's. Awesome. I want to hear another song. That's. I only put two songs on here because I didn't have time to download. What's this one? I said my fucking eyes are so jacked up. Can I hear that? I burnt treasures. Yeah. Let's yeah. Do treasures. It. Okay.
House party. You played a house party in Uxbridge. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes, yes, we, yes, we did. How did you, um, like, how did this get set up? And like, how does this get set up now? It's obviously easier than it was 30 years ago. It was, um, it was this dude named Matthew, um, and his band, I, they've changed band names a bunch of times, but at the time, I think the band was Inbred Fist was his band and man they were like he was like super cool he was like yeah. hey you want to come play this house party and we're like yeah sure like can you cover like you know 50 bucks for gas he's like yeah yeah sure no problem so we get there and it's like outside it's it's like pretty much in the garage it's kind of in like a wooded area there's not a house sure. to be seen there's a big long lane way to get there yeah and it's um it's like all these high school kids just like fucking partying it up and man it felt so awesome yeah i was like man i'm i'm that old guy at the party but i'm like allowed to be here like i'm i'm supposed to be here i'm not being creepy at all i'm fucking partying with the youth of today not the band but you know yeah i know (laughs) exactly metaphorically it was it was fucking awesome but at you know surprise surprise the cops got called and Steve and I were like, we were laughing pretty hard because everyone was like in an uproar that the cops got called. <laughs> like, this is like some f- fucking, you know, horrible injustice yeah. that's been done. Like, everyone's like, dude, what the fuck? Fucking cops got called. Like, yeah, dude, what did you expect? It's so fucking loud. Like, <laughs> cops are going to come. If, if I was your neighbor, I would call the fucking cops. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. You know, it's so funny. What part of Uxbridge? Because it was it. Let's not get too general with the area. But when you did you drive through Uxbridge to get to the place, or was it before you drove through Uxbridge? Um, I feel like it was before you drove through Uxbridge. If I had to tell you around where it was, there's like a. I think it's literally as you drive past the sign that says like "Welcome to Uxbridge." Yeah, it's like completely wooded area. I think we drove past one Shell station, and that's like. The only thing around there. Oh, I, I kind of know where that is. It's an SO, I think, though. We don't have Shell. We don't allow You know what I mean? It's like... They killed Nigerians. That's why. Did they? No. Well, it was just a whole thing years ago where they would kill people for trespassing in, like, Africa or oh. Nigeria. Or yeah. But whatever. That's a whole thing. So, <laughs> so I, um, I think that's awesome. I, I've played a few of those like in my day but it's always been like it used to be basement parties like you'd play a basement and then you'd make no money but you have super fun time and everybody have you know a good time and i was just talking to a friend of mine jamie who's now actually like a movie director who used to put on shows for for my first band in like timmins and he would do it and he'd like tell me stories where he, he'd like get in his car and drive to toronto to go buy records <laughs> you know in, in Holy shit. those days are like you know think how excited you would be just to get in your car and drive six hours to go buy a black flag album or something you know like we don't have that excitement anymore yeah i know it's it's so easily accessible that you know it's it's pretty it's not hard to take it for granted you know yeah all the good music that's literally at our fingertips 
yeah, I, I driving down the road, I go, I like, I'm thinking about this band. I'm just going to buy it on iTunes and I have it. Now I can listen to it, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're just, maybe we're just coddled now. Maybe it's sort of like, oh, okay, well, I liked it the old way, but maybe I didn't like it the old way. Maybe it was like, oh, I got to drive to Pickering to go buy an album. That sucks. That's stupid. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there was something a bit more genuine about that. And I always try and buy as much music physically as my, uh, my bank account will, will let me, you know, just, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just because that's the era that we grew up in and, or, and yeah. we're just kind of looking back with some goggles of fondness, but I don't know. Did you, uh, yeah. Like, did you ever get into downloading? Like, the days of when it was sort of like pirate bay and yeah to be uh to be completely honest i still download music now and again it's so difficult now you think about it's like your time's worth like money right so when i used to download like from pirate bay or from napster or something i would go look for the album artwork and then i have to put it in itunes and i have to sync the artwork to it and then i have to put in the right order and i was like i'm three hours in at this point <laughs> you know so yeah yeah that's the thing it's it's definitely a lot of work to to get the artwork and and all that stuff but i don't know if there's it there's certain albums that i'll steal if it's like oh you know there's I'm trying to think of the fucking last one i took you know what it, it's it's more albums that are just like i have never heard this artist before at all and someone has like recommended it to me maybe i'll steal that and like give it a give it a good fair shake because i don't know maybe it's that golden rule taken to an unhealthy degree but i would i would not mind if someone did that they with my music they'd like stole it and just to give it a good listen and then if they liked it they would hopefully buy it but honestly i don't even give a shit about that like if they if you want to steal our music and fucking not pay for it yeah be my guest it's a it's a form of flattery i remember in the days of limewire my my first sort of band i had a, like the my when i was in my i guess early 30s um i found it on limewire i was like whoa look look we've made it we've arrived it's on limewire oh, for sure <laughs> someone took the time to like upload yeah. and steal your music yeah. oh it's 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 insanely flattering like yeah or if you go yeah. on ebay and you see like an old release from i found like some our first album that we released in england and it had a different color for artwork. I go on eBay and it's like, fuck, look at it. It's right there. I could buy it. But I have like 20 of them already in my closet. So it's not really, it's not, it's not really that important. You could, you'd probably do better off to just like, if you flush the 20 down the toilet, you'd still come out in the black. You know I mean? <laughs> it's true. I have so many records in our baby barn back there. It's like from different labels and releases and my own. And I found one that I, I made for when we went on tour as my band and we were called Foursquare and you know we had some records out in Europe but no real sort of Canadian popularity no real popularity period but I made a record and I called it Finsky and I actually called it Smokes Money because it was like Smokes Money so I'd have money for Smokes and um, <laughs> Smokes Money <laughs> that, That's awesome. so, so I would sell it and it would be like the weirdest oddest versions of other songs and I put this sort of little record together and I would sell them off like off the greenback printed CDs. And I thought, oh, this is, 
this is very you know because I'm burning my own CDs and selling them. I was I was my own competition, you know, selling for like yeah. five dollars or something. Did you have did you have like that? Uh, remember that label stamper thing where you like yeah. put the label on the thing? No, and then you like I did old school. I wrote on it. Everyone had its like its own signature, like um, smokes money, um, three songs or five songs or whatever it was. But I found like six of them sitting in my uh, in my studio because I moved out of my my studio was in my parents' barn, and I found like th- some copies of this CD, and I'm like, "Whoa, this is it's cool." Thing I didn't realize I didn't know how to work the printer, so I printed it on red paper. And then when I went to go put the artwork and you know you put your front artwork and then you go to the back, I I'd, yep. I'd fold it and it would make like a gatefold, but it was upside down, like when I. <laughs> So I didn't oh, know. No. I didn't figure it out, and I'd already committed to the print, you know. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> locked it in. Yeah, but then you can go back and be like, "Yeah, I fucking meant to do that." I bet totally. No, I've let it out now. It's out of the. It's out of the bag. Yeah. Oh yeah, you blew it, man. You, <laughs> the one, the, the one secret you had. Yeah. Yeah. So the the other scoop was is that every time I put a record out, it would have seven syllables in it, kind of similar to what S and a few did, but they did. I think they did five. Uh, better than a stick in the eye. No, they did seven. I did five. That's right. It, so nobody ever caught you, on that. Nobody ever caught up on that. Yeah, yeah. It always had seven uh, syllables in it, I believe. Fuck you up like a bad accident. Yeah, seven. Yeah, well, ours had five, so nobody caught up on that. So. Uh, oh, that's what that means. That yeah. fuilaba. Fuilaba. Yeah. Fuck you up like a bad accident. And you know where that came from? That came from uh, Wesley Willis. Do you ever hear of Wesley Willis? Oh yeah, and a rock sure. on Chicago. You know, rock on was it? Rock on Chicago. Rock over London. Rock on you know, rock on Chicago. <laughs> Pepsi. That Pepsi. Uh huh. I met him. I met him. He's a fucking. He was dead now, but he was a fucking freak. And uh, he was supposed to play and open up for uh, Sublime, and Sublime didn't make it across the border. So it was Wesley Willis and a Celtic folk band at the Town Pump in Vancouver. Holy shit! And it was him and his metal band. I don't know. <laughs> he was. I guess it was a trip, but uh, so, anyways, I sorry, I'm, I've commanded the conversation here. No, no, no. I, I'm, I think, uh, I think I'm gonna start a podcast and have you on, my friend. <laughs> I love that. You know what? Podcast the way to go, man. This, this is my new favorite band. So maybe if you want to get out, it's like therapy. Get out of bands, then get into podcasts, because then you can still. Actually, yeah, Steve, he does a podcast. It's what? called Taker Wide. Oh, okay. And we just did. He just had me on for his 200th episode. Whoa, that's yeah, cool. He's been doing it for a while, man. So yeah, this is the 168th episode. So you know, there was a time when everybody got into podcasting, and I think the the ones that stick on are the or hang on. What's his podcast about? Uh, it's just like general, just general, you know, life stuff. You know, it's just him talking to. You know, a lot of musicians and a lot of just like people who just live not very normal lives, and uh, I guess according to us, not very normal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it's fucking super cool, man. He's uh he does one every week, and yeah, yeah, check it out if you if you ever fucking get him in it. Absolutely, take take her wide, take her wide, like T A K E R wide wide on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah, he's on iTunes. That's cool. Yeah, podcast is the new way, man. It's 
I think I've said this a hundred times, but it's 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 better to have conversations and and talk with people than it is to have like the quick, speedy five minute um, interview. Or you know, we're in a new generation now where people are not used to hearing other people talk, and I think that's the fascination of podcasts. Yeah, I could see that. Honestly, man, I I never listen to podcasts like. I, I, I sometimes feel like I know I'm not the only one, but I sometimes feel like I am. Just people are like, oh, have you heard this podcast? And my partner, she's always like listening to podcasts. And you know what? I, I, I just feel like there's so much music I still have to listen <laughs> to. I can't, uh, I can't commit because yeah. then I'll just be obsessed with listening to podcasts all the time. <laughs> so to be to be a musician in your in your world is do you have to be obsessive, or is this is this a thing that you find helps you or is this a you think you know to be obsessed about music i don't know i don't i don't think it's helpful yeah i I, like i said i feel like it's a a bit of a detriment sometimes to my to my mental and physical health and emotional health but uh yeah i guess it's all i really know it's all that really you know gives me gives me peace to to do it and you know, at the end of the day, if I feel like I'm exhausted creatively, then I I feel, you know, I feel good about myself. I feel like I've lived the day as much as I possibly could, you know? Absolutely. Well, that's, I mean, the other thing too, is if you have a, a, a venue or an avenue to, to vent whatever frustration or whatever feelings you're feeling you can harness it that way and spit it out in three minutes and then move on. You know, people have like this, you know, primal scream therapy or whatever. It's that same idea, I think. Yeah, I agree, man. It's, it's definitely a a cathartic endeavor. You know, I I enjoy it for that. If nothing else. Mm -hmm. Does it fuck your voice up? (laughs) Not any more than it already is, you know? Yeah. It's just permanently fucked, I think, but yeah, whatever. So if you did like 10 shows in a row, would you be able to have a conversation with anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I, uh, I've honestly never had a problem like losing my voice. I just like, I just don't know how to fucking scream properly. So it builds up this like insane pressure in my skull. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll get like a bad migraine here and there, but. No, if I'm not like drinking heavily, then which I don't really nowadays, but uh, yeah, I, I can do a, a pretty long span of, uh, of yeah. shows and not not be hoarse. Yeah, the drinking kills. I don't. <laughs> the drinking does kill. After like a week, it's like okay, enough, enough. Um, yeah, I did a few shows with Boys Night Out, and Connor would lose his voice after like three shows, but for some reason he would go like two weeks and not lose his voice. So it was like this weird sort of sometimes it would just happen a lot of times for monitoring like if he couldn't hear himself it was like gone mm-hmm. lose his voice over singing he he used to work at uh the same tattoo shop that uh that my friend johnny worked at oh Sink yeah sinking what's it called uh sinking ink sinking ink yeah 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 connor I and i was, that was just yeah we've been friends for i think almost 15 years now i work with him over train wreck like the train wreck album that's where I first kind oh, of met cool. them. Yeah. And uh, good, solid dudes. I actually, am, I'm doing a musical endeavor with Connor right now where he's, well, 
I've given him all the music, and all he needs to do is sing on it. So if that means a musical endeavor, then we've started a musical endeavor. But no, I haven't heard a note he's written yet. <laughs> Boys in the Dead was fucking awesome, man. Yeah. Still are. I mean, like, you think about what they did sort of, like, even before, like, the Make, you Six, Make Yourself Sick days and things like that. It, it was sort of different. It rose above kind of what was happening at the time. Uh, people lumped them into other genres or whatever, but... I always like the fact, like, that was a big thing, like, being out from that, like, bands out that way have that nice, that Burlington sound, or that Burlington yeah. network, not sound, it's a network of people that just, and it all sort of hinges around Ben Rispin, and uh, he's a good, solid dude, known him for years. Who's Ben Rispin? He's, um, he used to sing in Grade, he was in, also in the... Oh, yeah, Jersey. Jersey, yeah. And he was also, no, he was in Jersey, not Grade, because Kyle was in Grade. Uh, he was in yeah, Jersey, and then that Kyle guy was in the Black Marias or something, something like that. Yeah, but the uh, but Ben's big band was that goddamn shit. Sorry, Ben, forgot the name of your band. Um, it'll come to me as soon as I get off the thing here. It'll be it was this band. It's it... Saint Alvia Cocktail. That's ben. oh yeah 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 yeah. That's yeah. Ben. So he did he does Burley Calling and all that sort of like that sort of that that West End kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. Burley Calling used to be like an open kind of like a Pootsa Fest kind of thing, but I think it's sort of closed the doors now to all locals only. I think locals only and trigger happy. I think that's the way it works now. So uh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, man, uh, cool. I I, uh, I enjoyed this. This is fun. I uh, I'm glad I, I'm glad I, we got a chance to talk and uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks again for having me on. Like. Uh... Next time we're doing a uh, a garage show in Uxbridge, I'll be sure to be sure to hit you up, and we'll. Uh, I'll be you know, the we'll even weirder, up. older person at the party. <laughs> <laughs> You'll make us look like mega young. That's right. I'm doing a beer run. Who's next? <laughs> Me. Like, everyone will be like, "Shut up, Nark." Yeah. This guy's this guy's narking out on us. Hey, anybody know where I can get a marijuana cigarette? I've got plenty of bread, man. <laughs> <laughs> Undercover Mountie. Hey. But we can be your like uh, snake oil selling cohorts, and I'll be like, I'll take one, yo. I'll take six. Yo, that's like, wow, this- sick, man. Like other trendy words that my son cringes when I mockingly say it to him. Totes YOLO, bro. <laughs> that's a good sample. Totes YOLO. That's my new indie <laughs> band. We're called Totes YOLO. What do you what do you say to your son? Like, what's some like cool words that you either say or miss say? I kind of sort of go with the old sort of like eighties sort of fashion. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> fat, man. You know, and he's like, it's fat with a ph. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for doing the show. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks again for having me on. It was a fucking delight to to hang out and uh, and talk with you, man. I will uh, we'll have to do it at some point in the future. <laughs> And that was Mark from the band Grabear. That was fun, right? Good time. Don't forget their new album called Cemetery Preston. It's out on February 2nd. They have a new video called Grave Plot. And they are on tour in eastern Canada in, in this, this year. Ontario, Quebec, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, you're my country. That's Stump and Thompson. So, everybody, thanks for listening to this show. Thanks for tuning in every week. It's very, very helpful. Don't forget to go to iTunes, tell a friend, subscribe, rate, and view the show on iTunes, then tell a friend. 
Don't forget that you can shop on Amazon and help the show out by going to appalock.ca slash Amazon or appalock.ca slash US Amazon. Really helps the show out. <clears throat> Don't forget to become a Patreon, a patron on Patreon. I know it's confusing. Stay with me. And uh, you can pledge a monthly amount, and I'm using every penny of that to right now to save up money to buy a plane flight to dry, fly to another country and do an interview to a undisclosed person at this point. Money first. Again, we'll see you next week, every time. Uh, Mondays, the show comes out on Mondays, and we'll see you later. Have a good week and a good weekend and a good life. Bye.